right, welcome to Strong Words with Ian Strong, the entertaining entertainment podcast. I'm your host, Ian Strong, and I'd like to thank you for joining me for a featured episode of Shot Glass Diaries here on the show, because if you listen to the show regularly, and I hope you do, you know that Shot Glass Diaries is a bonus episode I put out every month where I take one of the many shot glasses that I've collected from all over the world out of one of the cabinets I use to display them in my kitchen, and I tell the story of that trip. But every once in a while, I like to bring on a guest or a few whom went on some of these trips with me to help tell the story, and today is going to be a good one, because for the first time in the history of the show, I'm bringing on the best man from my wedding, one of my best friends for almost 20 years, Mike Cook, who we all just call Cook, to talk about some of the great times we had in his hometown of Baltimore. This originally was going to be just the story of the two of us going to Baltimore to watch an NFL wildcard game back in 2013 between his favorite team, the Baltimore Ravens, and mine, the former Baltimore, now Indianapolis Colts. But as things tend to do on this show, we just kind of derail into talking about a bunch of times the two of us hung out in Baltimore, including stories from a couple of the baseball games we attended in Camden Yards, as well as his bachelor party, which until The Hangover came out, is one of the most entertaining and craziest bachelor party stories that you may ever hear. We didn't even have time to get into the night that I busted my chin open while drunkenly doing the worm at a fire hall benefit, which I still have a scar from, but I love this man, and I'm sure you will too, as we get into Best Men Ballin' in Baltimore here on Volume 22 of... Shut! Glass! Diaries. All right. So for this shot glass diary, we're going all the way back to January 6th, 2013, which ended up being the first and only NFL game I've ever been to in my whole life. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. I've never been to another NFL game. I've been to a college game. This is the only NFL game I ever went to when you, Cook, my best man, and I went to M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore to see the wild card game between the Baltimore Ravens, who ended up winning the Super Bowl that year, right. and the Indianapolis Colts, who were my favorite team. So before we get into the shenanigans that was that day, let's set up that day a little bit. It was your idea for us to go, right? Absolutely, yep. And how you got tickets is because you were friends with a guy who was a season ticket holder and couldn't go to the playoff game? Right, had they exactly? We we were able to get the tickets because they weren't able to go, and of course, you being a Colts fan, me being a Ravens fan, it was it was natural that I wanted you to go with me. Okay, so we decided we were going to go to this game, and we weren't sure how my being a Colts fan in Baltimore was going to play out because Baltimore fans are not Indianapolis Colts fans for one very obvious reason, and if you're not aware, why don't you tell them why? The uh, Colts were a team in Baltimore that left in uh, March of 1984 and uh, are not welcomed in Baltimore. So, well, why uh, why is that? Why did they? What was the circumstances that led to them leaving? Ownership. The Ursays decided they they were getting a better deal out of Indianapolis, you know, new stadium and all that, and decided to move out in the middle of the night and leave Baltimore without a team when uh, Robert Ursay promised that the team would stay in Baltimore. So people were quite upset about the fact that they did it cowardly and moved out. And it, it was so bad that you used Mayflower moving vans and people wouldn't hire Mayflower in Baltimore to, to wow. move them. That's how bad it was. 
And you remember that, right, from when you were a kid? Right. I was I was just eight years old, and and it was it was crazy because it was heartbreaking for my father because you know he was a Colts fan and he was supposed to let that legacy talk to me about Johnny Nitus and Raymond Barry and stuff like that. Like that was supposed to be handed down to me, and it broke his heart. And for a long time, my father didn't watch football because of that. Oh wow, I didn't know that. So. As the excitement grew for us to go to this game, I was a little nervous as to how I would be treated by the fans because I'm a Indianapolis Colts fan. And I thought that if I had worn like by then Peyton Manning wasn't playing for the Colts anymore. They had already drafted Andrew Luck. This was his rookie his rookie season. He led them into the playoffs in his rookie season. And Peyton Manning was still playing for the Broncos, so I felt like if I wore my Reggie Wayne jersey, maybe I won't be harassed as much. And to the credit of the people that we hung out with that day, as well as the people at the stadium, I didn't get harassed very much. The The worst that I suffered was during halftime when I went to go uh, take a whiz, somebody put their empty beer bottle in my hoodie. <laughs> and, you, and you know what? I mean, like you said, I mean, it was you were treated... Pretty well. I mean, yeah. and, and I mean, people were kind of wrapped up in the whole thing. of was Ray Lewis's, you know, last home game. Mm-hmm. You know, people were, you know, involved in that. And, and, you know, like I said, we were with my buddies and tailgating and stuff like that. And, you know, some of them have met you before. So, yeah. you know, it was it was cool. But well, even even the people that sat around us at the stadium were not, you know, unkind to me. They no. <laughs> what time did we end up leaving the morning of the game? I want to say it was like 430 in the morning. Because we got to Baltimore around six. Yeah, it, it was it was quite early. I mean, tailgate started early. Yeah, we were rocking and rolling from from the get go. I mean, mm-hmm. now knowing that I needed to drive us home after the game, I only drank about three or four beers between like six and nine in the morning. Right, and then I let myself sober up. You, on the other hand, went hard. All day, I did. I was I was back in Baltimore. I was back in my element. I was. I was That's where you're from, right? And you know, I grew up there. I spent 28 years of my life there. You know, and it was guys that we were hanging out with, and I knew for you know 25 years. I mean, I've known these guys for a long time. So, getting back there in my element, Ray Lewis's game, playoffs. I was. I told you I was going to go hard, and, and the you know, the the spread that was out. For the tailgate, delicious spread. I mean, they your people tailgate right. They had, you know, the the, the steam tables out. They had the the propane heaters out, cooking stuff up. There was um, games going on. There were drinking games. There was non drinking games. There's music playing. There's a good vibe in the air. Everyone's hanging out. It's game day. And I remember as game time, which was a one o'clock game. Right? Was it, it was. One it was one o'clock. Uh, a one o'clock game started approaching. You guys were running out of beer to the point where you guys started playing flip cup with liquor. With shots. Yes, this is true. What a terrible idea that was. And you know, it, at, at first I thought it was a terrible idea, but the more I played and the more we were having fun, I didn't realize how terrible an idea that really, really was until it was time to start walking to the to the stadium. Then it really hit me. That what, I, that what were you guys drinking? I remember it being blue. 
I don't even remember. Some they were just pouring, liquor. and I, they were pouring it in, and I was drinking it. You were literally like Frank the Tank. Fill it up again. I, I was. I mean, you know, a beer and, one hand, and, a shot in the other. Anytime somebody was ready to tag out and and bring somebody else in to play that flip cup game, you played every single game. You I played were- every single game. I was. I was. I told. I was going to go hard, and and I was oh, caught up did. in the moment, and it just the the beer, the liquor, everything was flowing. It was nice, and, like I said, it was cold. The food it was a cold was, day. It was a cold day. Liquor, like you said, the food was wonderful. I mean, we had everything from, mm-hmm. you know, burgers to dogs to, to pork and, and sausages chicken, and, sausages. I mm-hmm. mean, we had the whole gamut. And I was eating and still ended up getting pretty drunk. <laughs> so I remember when it was time to walk toward the stadium. Now, I've never been there before. How many times would you say you've probably been to Ravens games in that stadium prior to this one? Uh, 25 Okay. I mean, quite a bit. Yeah. So we're walking, and our seats are in the upper level behind the, I don't remember, east or west uh, goalpost. Right. It was the end zone. And I just remember, like, as we're continuing to walk up steps, <laughs> you are are starting to, to pant a little bit because you're like, <laughs> I had no idea that there'd be this many steps. And it's crazy because I've sat in the upper deck of MIT Stadium quite a bit. And it did feel like we went up a lot of steps. I mean, you figure we had about a, a three-block walk from mm-hmm. the tailgate spot to the stadium, and then it seemed like we were walking to heaven yeah. as, many, as many steps as it took. It, it really did. So when we finally took our seats, which pretty decent seats, I'll post a picture of it on Twitter. Especially in regards to like being able to see everything from like our red zone. Now, when when the the play was going on at the other end of the field, that was kind of difficult to see. But the, when the play was right in front of us, I mean, we had a bird's eye view of of what was going on there. And I remember during pregame warmups, you know, I can already see you smiling. You know where I'm going. With I know this. where you're going with it. You went to stand up and and shout something in excitement. <laughs> And you fell forward into the people in front of you who who kind of caught you and then kind of like pushed you back onto your feet. And you were just like, hey, I promise that's the only time that's going to happen today. <laughs> and, you, and, and they did. Luckily enough, they were nice enough to catch me and, and from, you know hurting myself or, or, or them and, and push me back up. And, and after that happened, you like instantly sobered up right because i want i want to see the game and, and you know i didn't want to get kicked out of my own my own stadium and you know ruin the people's time in front of me is this the first uh ravens playoff game you went to no i've been to uh, quite a bit the first one that i ever went to was when they played denver in their stadium the very first ever playoff game oh okay in mnt in mnt and i've i've been to uh miami to watch them play in the playoffs. Oh, as I well. remember that. Yeah. So you know, flown we down there. to LMFAO like the whole week prior to that trip. Right. I mean, I was going to I'm Miami. In Miami trick. And and the cool <laughs> thing about that was it was the year that Miami had set the record for least amount of turnovers. Oh, and, right. And the Ravens got to turn them. They turned them over five times. And Ed Reed had a pick six. He had two picks, and one of them was a pick six. I remember that game now. So as pregame warmups are ending and they're doing the introductions now. I'm not going to say anything bad about Ray Lewis 
because I respect him as a player. I think he's one of the greatest linebackers who ever lived, totally deserving of being in the NFL 100. I got to admit, it was pretty cool to see his entrance in person with uh, the Nelly song and him doing his dance and the pyro and the fire and stuff going off. And and this was a particularly special occasion because, as we mentioned prior, this ended up being the last game that Ray Lewis ever played at home. Because even though they went on to win the Super Bowl that year, every other game after this one was played on the road. They were on the road, right. So what what was that experience like for you to be able to say that you were there for that? Well, you know, I mean, I've seen that before, but mm-hmm. this time it was truly special because you knew going into this, like, this was it. Like, yeah, because he, he had already announced his, that he was going to retire right, at the end of the season. Right, right. Did, be- did it, he? It was right before the playoffs yeah, he had did. started, and mm-hmm. he announced it, and that's when that was, if uh, your listeners are, are familiar, it's when uh, Flacco went on that incredible run in the playoffs and not throwing a, a turnover, and mm-hmm. they, the Mile How Miracle to beat Denver. Like it was, it's it's how he got his enormous contract. Absolutely, he, right. That he's still he bet getting on, paid for. Right, he bet on himself. You know, he turned down their offers, and it panned out for him because he got paid, like you said, a ginormous amount of money. I mean, twelve touchdowns, no picks. I mean, that's that you, earns you your money. You can't have a better run in the playoffs than that. Right, and and to beat. I'm talking about Tom, you, Nick right. Foles. <laughs> <laughs> but but he, you know, he beaten Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And and Andrew, in Foxborough, right? Peyton Manning in Denver, mm-hmm. you know Andrew Locke, and then beating Colin Kaepernick, you know, and that was the 49ers is you know almost like a Lamar Jackson in the su- in the Super Bowl game that had the infamous blackout and the Mercedes the Benz, right? Yeah. Yep, and in the Superdome, and still to this day we we think that because Baltimore was running up on the score that the NFL had to do something about that <laughs> to to keep. You know, because in the first Super Bowl, the Ravens won, you know, they they beat up on the Giants. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this was going to be another Was that 2000? It was 2000. That was Ray's rookie season, right? And it was not his rookie season, but... Uh, it I'll was, edit that out. It, it, was the, <laughs> uh, it was the year that the, the defense had set the record for least amount of points oh, in, allowed, in a 16-game yeah. season. I, I remember that. So... We we got to see Ray Lewis's entrance. We got to see Ed Reed's entrance. Did he also retire at the end of that season, or did he play one more? He played one more and okay. ended up playing for the Texans. Oh, that's and, right. And but this was his last one in Baltimore, right? It was. And, his last. and the reason I brought that up is because I know that Ed Reed is your favorite player of all time. Ed Reed is is my favorite Raven, and to be honest with you, I mean, between him and Ray, I mean, there I can't name a better duo of of mm-hmm. defensive players. I mean. Those guys, I mean, they wrecked havoc on the the Mannings and the Bradys and those guys. So, oh yeah, you know, Ed was just so important, you know. And I'm not saying I'm not a, a Ray Lewis fan, but as far as safeties safeties go, there ain't many better, if any. Right, and you know, I mean, he was the perfect combination of of a you know of a pure safety, but he also had that you know that Ronnie Lott in him, who mm-hmm. who was a hitter, you know. Mm-hmm. And just then, and the knack for the ball, and the guy could return punts and kickoffs and stuff like that. I mean, he returned touchdowns, fumbles, interceptions. He did it all. I mean, he was just the jack of all trades. As far as the game went, not a whole lot to talk about because the Colts were outmatched on every side of the ball. And this was definitely the Ravens' year. Even though they were hosting the wild card game, they they won their division. Did they win their division? I'll edit that out too. 
I don't know if they if they won a division. I know that they yeah they they, they backed they, into the playoffs. They would have had to in order to host the wild card game, right? So they won their division, even though they weren't one of the top two seeds, and basically just kind of ran roughshod through that whole Colts offense, Colts defense, their special teams, and continued that on on their way to winning a Super Bowl championship. But is there anything about the game? specifically that we went to that you would consider memorable i think if you can remember it oh i can i mean (laughs) you know looking back you know i i kind of wish i didn't get as drunk as i did but i remember it and i think that to me is when they came out to do the victory and they let ray lewis be the back guy at the end there when they took the final kneel down and he did his dance one more time on the field I totally forgot about that. And then, you know, having, you know, even, you know, all the players coming out, not the Ravens, you know, obviously hugging him and things like that, but the Colts guys coming over and shaking his hand and, and, and really showing the appreciation of the player he is in the NFL. You know, I mean, like you said, he's one of the best linebackers to ever do it. I mm-hmm. mean, smart, you know, everything. I mean, anything you can want a linebacker to be, Ray Lewis was it. And, yeah. and and like I said, him to come out and be part of it. He played smart. Right. He, he he could read offenses before they even knew what they were doing. Right. And 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 being a a guy on the other side of playing chess with the Mannings and the Bradys mm-hmm. and and giving those guys hell because they look up one thing, start looking around, they look back up, and Ray's got these guys moving from here and there and 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 matching match for match, you know run for run, pass for pass. I mean, it was awesome, and I'm glad that he was a Raven. So after the game, not a whole lot to tell. We pretty much just went back to the car and then drove home. And pretty exhausting day at that point because we had started so early and then went pretty hard. And then, like I said, it wasn't an exciting game, but it, it was for Ravens fans because they won so handedly. Right. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Now we could sit here for another, you know, two days and talk about all the other debaucherous things that we've done in Baltimore, including, you know, we 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 went to a ball game because as as my best man, I said I'd take you to an, an Orioles game as a thank you. The only thing I really remember about that game was uh, Orioles first baseman Kirby refusing Wayne to give Kirby. me a refusing to give me a ball. <laughs> And and he just kind of like gave me like this little shooing motion with his hand when I was like, "You're killing me, Kirby." <laughs> well, you I you know what I remember about the game was when we were driving in Baltimore and we, we was getting close to game time and there was a lot of traffic and because I knew Baltimore, mm-hmm. I was like, "Hey, just just park here and we'll walk it." Yeah, and we just ducked into some parking garage and well, we did something similar for the the wild card game too. We just kind of parked on a random street that you knew would probably have on-street parking, and then we walked like two blocks to the the site of the tailgate. Not only on-street parking, but free, free on-street, free parking. for on-street mm-hmm. parking. Mm-hmm. So that that was a cool game too. The the ball game that we went to because, like, I go to so many games where they play against the Braves, and we've gone to a game where they played against the Braves at, as part of my trying to see the Braves play in every stadium. You know, we waited like six, seven years before they finally came to Baltimore before we were able to go to that game. And it right. was your 40th birthday when we went. It was. But that game, I, I want to say they played the Dodgers that day. We had uh, pretty cool seats, front row, right. right next to first base. And for one night only, I was an Orioles fan. 
and they won that game and it was a it was a fun game to watch as a baseball fan the one that they played the uh Braves we don't have to talk about that much cuz they didn't win I appreciate that <laughs> I, I I do have a really cool picture of uh, Ubaldo Jimenez pitching to Freddie Freeman. Uh, you know how like Ubaldo Jimenez went during his windup, he kind of did this thing with his wrist where like he he was almost like touching the ground with it, and he had it like kind of bent out. Right. I don't know how I got the timing of the picture, but like the only reason that I can know that I got the picture of Ubaldo Jimenez pitching for the Orioles is because I have a picture of him pitching to Freddie Freeman, and that's where the ball is during his windup. Oh, wow. Yeah. To, to get that at that moment is... And, and this is back when, like, you know, I want to say, like, 2015, 2016, something like that, where, you know, camera phones were on the up and up, but they weren't anywhere near as advanced as they were now with, like, being able to take so many in a row. And then, right. You know, or or taking videos with screen grabs and be able to pick out that right moment. It was just, like, like you wouldn't be able to tell it was Ubaldo Jimenez pitching that pitch had I not gotten that exact moment right when i I took that picture right other memories in baltimore i mean we could talk about your bachelor party but we're not going to fair enough but but we had fun we'll we'll do a cliff notes version i drove us down you me and chunk yep chunk's a good friend of ours it's no longer with us and we miss him every day absolutely and we were the only three from central pa who went to baltimore Right? No, because your dad went and your your uncle went. But my my dad wasn't living in. Oh, he was still living. He was down still there living at the time. in Baltimore. Yeah, he li- he moved. Well, he lives where you live in Delaware now. But. Right. So the the plan was we we got a party bus so that none of us had to worry about drinking. And your uncle had re- had recommended a place right off the bat, saying like, "I heard the girls are great here. We got to go there." We get there. I wasn't your best man, but I kind of like assumed the role that night, at least in terms of like trying to get everybody on the same page for your entertainment. Right. Um, because I was also like the only sober one. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was still drinking at the point, but again, knowing that I'd have to drive that night, I only had like two or three beers at the first place and then I, I quit for the rest of the night because pretty much everybody else like was from Baltimore, living in Baltimore. Correct. And... <laughs> We get to the first place. I see the first girl. I hand her 20 bucks. I said, look, this is my best friend. It's his birthday today, and it's his bachelor party. Go say hello to him. And and what did she do? She just shook your hand and left. Yeah. She introduced herself, shook her hand, shook and my I, hand and left. And I said, this, we're going to the next club. Everybody finish your beer. Let's wrap it up. So then we went to a second place, and the place told us that they were at capacity to be able to allow how, how many people would you say was there 30 it was quite a bit it, it right it had right the bus was full of people so so about 30 people they they said that they're at capacity to where they can't let all of us in so we we're like that's it you don't want our money we're going somewhere else and we ended up at a club called fantasies <laughs> and i tried to do the same thing uh without Offering the twenty dollars to the first girl I see. Do you remember that girl's name? I want to say Trinity, but I it, don't was think it, Trinity. it was Trinity. It was Trinity. It was Trinity. Oh my God! How yep. do I remember that? Yeah, I, I knew as soon as you say it, I would. <laughs> it, it, but it, yes, it's Trinity. Yeah. So without even offering her the twenty bucks this time, I just said, "Hey, this is my best friend. Today's his birthday, and it's his bash." Oh my God! And she like ran up to you and and wrapped like her legs around you and her arms around you. And she, I mean, to her credit, she hung out with us 
the whole night. Right. The only time she left and it was her time to go on stage and dance. Mm-hmm. And, and she was, you know, having drinks with us and, and hanging out with us. And at one point, the bus driver was in there with us. And, and Yes. The man <laughs> that we had paid to drive us around safely was in these strip clubs with us, <laughs> drinking beer, having shots like he was part of our group. And none of us thought any different of it. No, and, and, and to his credit, like, he was nursing those drinks. It's not like he was getting drunk with us to drive right. us around. He, he was still in, in perfect condition to drive us all around. That's correct. And, and I just remember kind of, like, hanging out with him going, like, what are you doing in here? And he's like, what am I going to do, stay in the f-ing bus? Right. And he was going to come in and see the girls and, and enjoy the t- entertainment. And, and good for him because I'm sure he had a good time. Right. I mean, he was with us. I mean... If he didn't have a good time, then that was on him because yeah. we certainly did. We know a guy that didn't have a good time. We saw his ass get thrown out of the club. Yeah. And by that, I mean two guys were literally carrying him and threw him into some concrete steps because apparently he got a little too handsy in the champagne room. And you know the rules. There's no sex in the champagne room. No sex at all. You may think there's sex and you may want sex, but there's no sex. In the champagne room. So if you've never been to the strip club in the champagne room, keep that in mind. Yeah. Especially for people like my younger sister who thinks that anything goes in the champagne room, which is why she doesn't let my brother-in-law go to strip clubs. There's no sex in the champagne room. She can even recite that entire song from Chris Rock from memory, word for word. Doesn't believe a word of it because she thinks, oh, even though there's cameras in there, you can do whatever you want. No, you cannot and will not. There is no sex in the champagne room. There's no, there's no handies. There's no beiges. There's nothing. Nope. So at one point, Trinity says, I need you to get me a pitcher of water, everybody's belts, and X amount of dollars. The reason for that is they were going to do a stage show with you. Now, we weren't sure how this was going to go because it was X amount of dollars for one girl or like X times a half for two girls. And she was like, well, who do you want to be a part of the station? We were like, well, obviously we want you. And I went around and I was able to collect enough money to get to the second girl. And she was like, well, who do you want us to pick? And I was like, anybody who you think you have the best chemistry on stage with. Do you remember that? I do remember that. So we got him on stage and they start going to town on this guy. Yeah. I'm trying to keep it as PG-13 I, I as possible. I understand. I understand. And then she asked for everyone's belts. And then they just start whipping the shit out of you with these belts. They wanted they She wanted me to pull my pants down, and they wanted to whip my bare butt. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have no parts of that. You didn't have to because you still got welted. Right. I, I was... It, it I'm was, not saying I saw it. I'm just saying you told me. When I went home and took... like it was, There was definitely evidence... Of me being beat with belts repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And then they went back to town on you. They did. And then they took the pitcher of water that she requested at the beginning of the dance. Ice cold. Ice ice water. What'd they do with it? They poured it down my pants. Poured it down your pants. Right down the front of it. She pulled my pants and poured it right down, and it cooled me off. What was that like? You know, you talk about shrinkage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like that was probably the the most shrinkage I've ever had in my whole entire life because I was I was having a really good time, and then they poured the the cold 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 water down the front of my pants, and 
it would it could have been non-existent at that point. That's how much shrinkage it was. As hilarious as that was to me at the time, in retrospect, I was really pissed because your pants ended up being soaked. You were wearing jeans, so it's not like that was drying anytime soon. And then you ended up leaving a stain on the passenger seat of my car on the way home because of your wet ass. I did. But before we talk, I mean, the wet pant or the, the stain, but we have to talk about... Oh, I'm, I'm, oh okay, I, I wasn't skipping okay, over. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah. all right, fair enough. All right, so once this happened, we hung out for a little bit longer, we had a good time, and then it was getting to the point where we needed to call it an evening. This is where it gets a little crazy. And feel free to stop me at any point where I need to add anything to this story. Okay. So our friend Patrick, who was in our group, is leaving with us and makes some kind of suggestive gesture to one of the girls in another group who was leaving simultaneously with us. Kind of in a flirty motion. And she kind of took it in stride and kind of flirted back and gave him the middle finger. Now, I don't know how much of this her boyfriend saw, but it was enough to piss him off. Right. So, even though there's like 30 of us, and there's like four to six of them, they wanted to fight us. Now, most of it started like any other fight you see in public, just a bunch of shouting, and and a bunch of finger pointing, and a bunch of expletives. Right. Being shouted both ways. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm already on the bus. I think you're already on the I'm bus. I'm already on the bus. And once we saw that they had escalated from verbal to pushing and shoving, bus empties. Correct. And you and I, along with maybe one or two other people, try to create like a wall between their six or so people and our 30 or so people. <laughs> now, at the time, like, we got this party bus, but not everybody contributed. So, like, there was about three or four people in our group who weren't with the group on the bus. Right. They had driven separately. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that we tried to maintain this wall, it crumbled. There was going to be a fight that night. The, they, they were insistent on having a fight that night. How did it start? Was it the girl with the baton? I think so. I mean, because it was kind of a blur because I was, I was trying to be peacekeeper. I mean, yeah, me which, too. Which is kind of out of my. Because you're, you're, you're usually ready to throw. Right, it out. I, right. I'm an aggressor, and I was like, you know what? This, you know, <laughs> this just I, I probably don't need to be locked up tonight. So let's let's be cool. And it didn't happen. And, and I mean, and and it's I I think I told you on the way down that. My friends were pretty wild, mm-hmm. and because you and had never met him before, met my. I met a couple, right? But, but like at your wedding? No, no, no. That was no. after the bachelor party. Yeah, most of these people I had not met yet, never met before, and yeah. I, I mean, and I warned you that it it might get a little wild, and 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 some of your friends are big boys. Oh yeah, and these people on the other side, not a lot of size to them. It wasn't, and and like I said, you know, I got some boys on my side that are. I mean, they're big boys. I mean, they, they got muscles that are, mm-hmm. look like people's thighs. Like so. they could have played for a college football team. Oh, absolutely. Didn't one of them? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah I mean, a lot of the guys I grew up with were athletes. So. Yeah. so so, the aforementioned baton girl gets like a cheerleading baton out of the backseat of her car and strikes one of our friends. Do you remember who it was? I think it was John. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't remember him because I think this may be the only night I ever hung out with him. Right. But 
John is a veteran. Yes. Who who did a tour in Afghanistan and broke his arm in Afghanistan. And where this girl hit him with the baton, it was the sweet spot where his bone had healed and re-broke his his arm. arm. Yep. At this point, it's on. It's a melee. Yeah. Immediately, your uncle basically to try to keep this weapon-wielding woman, try saying that three times fast, away from the rest of the group, basically like choke-slammed her onto the hood of her car and and just kind of like held her there to keep her from escalating things further. <laughs> it sounds worse than it is, but it was spectacular. And, and it needed to happen. Like, she would have tried to beat anybody with this she, baton. She broke somebody's arm. Right, she was whipping it around. Yeah, so the melee is on. You and I are still trying to separate people. Eventually, we do. And security comes out and says... This parking lot needs to be cleared out in the next five minutes or we're calling the cops. So we all start kind of going back onto the bus. Now, like I said, not everybody in our group was on the bus. Those people are on their way to their vehicle. The people from the other side who tried to escalate things got in their vehicle and tried to run down the people who weren't on our bus. So here we go again. Bus empties. (laughs) A lot of pushing and shoving, a lot of escalating, de-escalating. And I just remember, I'm standing like next to the bus. I'm not even getting involved in this point because there's just too many people. And I say to the bus driver, we got to get all these people back on the bus. And he was like, we got to get all these people back on the bus because I am not going back to jail. (laughs) His exact words is, everybody get back on the bus because I am not going back to jail tonight. My, that's it, I will never ever forget him saying that. Me neither. For right, like it, that's his exact words to a T. Because I am not going back to jail tonight. And, and and eventually we do get people back on the bus. Now somebody from our group threw a bottle through the driver's side window of the other people's vehicle, and then punched him in the face. Correct. Now. He's still kind of driving away. He slams on the brakes, and then he decides he's going to throw it in reverse and try to run down our people again, but he comes about five feet from going into the building. And then he just shouts from outside his window, Sunoco, down the street, you pussies better be there. And he takes off. And we're just laughing. (laughs) Right, because we we weren't going. We weren't following. We're not going to Sunoco. Right, we weren't going to follow. There's just no way. Like they had enough. Like it was. It was enough. It was time to go. So we get on the bus. We're starting to head back to the meeting point. We pass the Sunoco, and the guy is there waiting for us. Like, what's up? And when we all just kind of start throwing shit at him, and and it was funny because the bus. The had some windows or something that were busted out, and there was the like black trash bags <laughs> over the over the windows. Like, and and it's funny, like, because I mean, if you know me, like, this is exactly what would happen at my like only my bachelor party would end up in a fight, fist fight in a parking lot of a strip club. Like, it's 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 just the way it is. Like, it's just. And I'm not saying I'm I'm troubled, but if you talk to anybody else's bachelor party, it, you know, all the girls, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a f- 
fist fight in a parking lot of a strip club. <laughs> so we get back to the meeting point. A couple of guys decide to take John to the emergency room uh, for his broken arm. Luckily, there was no other injuries, at least to anybody on our side. I had a welt on my forehead that I got punched by one of the girls who was trying to jump over top of oh, me. she was windmilling. She was windmilling, and she was trying to get to the guy behind me. And you were in the way. And I was in the way. I forgot about that. And she punched me in the forehead, which I didn't retaliate. Nope. I just I just kept pushing back her until she stopped windmilling. And that was, but yes, I came home with the uh, welts on my back from getting beat with the belts by the women in the, in the club and a knot on my forehead where she had punched me. So we all say goodnight to each other. Well, we had to back up because we were okay. on, on the drive. And we were all still amped up from the fight, mm-hmm. and we were the, we were chanting, "Yep, bus, bus driver, bus, bus driver." Because I, I had told everybody about what he said about not wanting to go back to jail yeah. tonight, and everybody, including us, thought that that was the funniest thing that we could have possibly Absolutely. heard. And we're just chanting, "Bus driver," and he's bus and driver, he, and then he's honking his horn to to the to the sound, sound of, of bus, bus driver. driver. It's bus. beep 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 beep. Yep. Oh, man. Where's that guy today? I hope he's not driving buses still. Uh, I hope he's not back in jail. <laughs> I hope he didn't go to jail either. So so we call it a night. We we drive all the way back to Carlisle. We stop at a Wendy's that's open 24 hours a day at like 5 o'clock in the morning. Yes. To get food. I dr- we were starving. Starving. Because we, I mean, at this point, we hadn't eaten in probably like 12 hours. Right. It had been quite a while. And we had been drinking. Well, you'd been drinking. Right. I had a few, like, eight hours prior. And I drop you off at your place. What did Jamie say? Well, I was getting into the house quietly, and the dogs had to start barking. It woke Jamie up. So here she comes walking out of the bedroom. And I have a double cheeseburger in one hand, (laughs) and it's just dripping grease all down my arm. I got French fries, and and I'm holding my, my cup in between my arm. And I look like death. I smell like strippers. And she's, you got glitter all I over. I got you. glitter all over me. Like it's, it's exactly whatever you're visioning in your head right now is exactly how it happened. And she just gives me this look, and I was like, "I'll tell you in the morning." And I eat my food quickly and and go back to bed. Well, and and all she said was, "Did you have a good time?" She did. She said, "Did you have a good time?" And I and and I did. Like it and was. She's like, and that's all I want to know. That's it. That's it. And, and I mean, she knows, I mean, she parts knows. of these stories. And because, you know. There was more debauchery things going on in the club that we don't really need to talk. We can keep some of that stuff for that. Right. I mean, it was a strip club. We had a good time. But to kind of finish up that story, I went home. I slept for 15 minutes. And then I had to work a 10-hour shift at Lowe's that day. I, you took the day off, or you were <laughs> off. Right, I was off. I should have taken that day off because I was not productive at all. <laughs> and and it, it was funny because like I I went to bed. It was probably around six a.m. when I went to sleep, and I think I slept till like six o'clock in in the evening. Like you you were still sleeping when I got off of work. Like it was I needed that that much rest. So I can only imagine how you felt with fifteen minutes. And all just, I remember about that that shift was that for some reason I saw my uncle that day, <laughs> and and I think I cut some carpet. 
you know, and there's, like I said, I, I slept. I mean, I needed that. And of course, you know, I had to answer to my fiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how, long, how long have you guys been married now? Uh, 13, 13 years. 13 years, yeah. 13 years. So this was this was quite a long time ago, but it, I mean, this particular, I mean, this bachelor party, we still tell this story probably once or twice a year. And at any time we, you know, we, we get together with, with my, my Baltimore buddies and mm-hmm. stuff like that, somehow or another, it, it, you know, somebody who doesn't know this story, but like, see that guy over there? And they're like, yeah, but like, this bachelor party was fist fight in strip club parking lot. And of course... Come over here, cook, and tell a story. And mm-hmm. I got to come and tell the story. And people are like, really? And I'm like, yeah. I remember when I had my my bachelor party, which you threw for me because mm-hmm. you're my best man. You were just like, so what What do you want to have happen tonight? Because I want this to be you know special for you. And I was like, if this story isn't as good as the night of your bachelor party, then we did not do this right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a lot. That's a big shoes to fill. I mean, that's, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where you just, I never expected all that to go down. But but you're not surprised either. I'm not surprised no, in the least. Not, not with this group. No. And, you know, I could sit here and tell stories upon stories. And I tell people all the time about writing a book. And I, can, I say all the time, I could write a book not about what we got into, but what we got out of and how we got out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I could write stories for days. Well, we at least got a shot glass diary out of it, and I'm going to call it Good Times in Baltimore with Cook. I like that. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I think it's fitting because yeah. we've had some really good times in Baltimore. We have, and it's been fun to sit here and reminisce about them with you, uh, as well as BS about the other stuff that we talked about for three hours before we decided we should probably record some. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm, I'm glad I was able to, to you know come up here and... and and see you when yeah. I was up here with some family and stuff like that, and and honored that you would have me on here and to talk about our experiences. And you know, if, if you weren't entertained by this story, then you are listening to the wrong podcast. That's right, because it was you, this this hearing about it. Just imagine living it and being part of it. So, <laughs> thanks for coming on and doing this, dude. Hey, Appreciate thanks for it. having me. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yep. If you listen to this show regularly, and I hope you do. Then over the past couple of months, you've heard me mention how much my quality of sleep has improved since I started using Rolling Acre CBD and CBG products before I go to bed. Rolling Acre sits on 105 gorgeous pesticide-free acres in my hometown of Carlisle, Pennsylvania, where they grow their high-quality hemp to produce the best-tasting CBD and CBG that you'll find on the market by making it in a state-of-the-art lab right on the farm before it only leaves to be third-party tested for both quality and potency. I'm sure by now, you've probably heard of CBD, but may still have questions. And if you're like me, you'd never even heard of CBG before I started using it. So if you visit rolling-acre.com, you can learn more about the farm, the benefits of using CBD and CBG like friend of the show Nate Blazer does for his gluten allergy, and shop their selection of 1,000 milligram full-spectrum CBD and CBG tinctures. And when you're ready to try it for yourself, you can use the promo code STRONGWORDS at checkout to receive $10 off your next purchase. They even have two flavors that your dogs, cats, and horses will love. So again, go to rolling-hager.com, use the promo code STRONGWORDS at checkout, and receive $10 off your next order. It's available to ship in all 48 CBD and CBG legal states, so what are you waiting for? Go to rolling-hager.com today, or find them on social media at Rolling Acre. Thanks again to Cook for coming on and reminiscing with me about some of the fun times I had with him in Baltimore. 
If you find him on Facebook, give him a follow because he has one of the most entertaining and informative feeds in the social media game. And as with all Shot Glass Diaries, if you'd like to see photos from some of these trips or of the Shot Glass itself that I used to commemorate them, you can find them and me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ian Strong Words. You can also get in touch with the show via email at strongwordspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, write a review, leave a rating, and share my social media posts. It truly is the best way to support the show and spread the strong words, and I genuinely thank you for taking the time to do that. So that'll do it for another episode of the show, but come back in two weeks for another fun and hilarious episode that I have lined up for you. If you remember last summer, I had my best friend in the whole world, frequent guest, one half of the awesomely strong musical comedy duo Captain Awesome Dan Freet onto the show to watch Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny as we did a watch-along with Awesomely Strong. Well, in two weeks, Dan and I are back at it again for the first time in a year as we provide the commentary track while we watch Saving Silverman, starring Jason Biggs, Amanda Peet, Steve Zahn, and of course Jack Black, as we discuss the movie, the music, and whatever else we feel like diving into. So watch along with Awesomely Strong in two weeks as we watch Saving Silverman, but in the meantime, as I say every episode, stay safe out there, spend a little time every day doing something that you love, and if you got something to say, keep your words strong. How strong? Ian Strong. Strong words!